Today's episode of PFL is brought to you by Game Time. All right, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Tennessee tickets are cheaper three weeks before the game or three hours before the game? I don't know, but Game Time does. Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue, it can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. So pick your deal, you can see the view from where you're sitting, and buy all in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last-minute tickets. Welcome back to uh, Podcast for Life, PFL, a uh, SEC victorious edition. Uh, I'm your host, David Ubbin. I'm joined by, as always, uh, well, as always on the free episode Joe Rex Road uh, Tennessee victorious today 20 to 10 their first SEC win since Kentucky last year uh, I'm not sure who is uh, happier today Jeremy Pruitt or uh, Tyler Ivins who will not have to be on top of the Toyota of Knoxville for the next uh, three weeks uh, Joe welcome to the show yeah I mean how long would it have been for poor Tyler yeah, well, I they mean, had, yeah, they had the, uh, you're going to have Bama next week, and uh, then South Carolina's no guarantee. South Carolina, which just beat Georgia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it was either, it was, I mean, the whole thing, you know, for the, for the folks who didn't read the story, first of all, you should subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, he basically did it about, you know, he felt like they were going to beat Mississippi State. That's why it was sort of this week. Um, but if he was wrong, uh, that was interesting. But he had to, I mean, Tennessee was the better, better team today by a wide margin. Uh, Joe, what was your sort of biggest takeaway from uh, the Vols uh, joining the ranks of teams who have beaten Power Five uh, or beaten FBS opponents? They were the last uh, Power Five team that has not beaten an FBS opponent. They do it today. What was your overwhelming uh, takeaway from that? I've got a few, but I, I could probably sprinkle them out a little bit through the episode. <laughs> but first of all, you know, midway through the game, I thought of something you said earlier on this podcast, David, and I don't remember if it was the first or second episode, I think one of the two, but you made the very sage point that teams can change dramatically. College football teams often don't resemble themselves, uh, you know, a couple months after, or even a month sometimes after the season starts, and... I know Mississippi State's not great, and this did remind me of Kentucky a bit last year. Great defensive effort, but also a team that was limited in the passing game, and and so you were able to probably do some things because of that. But but still, the the play of of the Tennessee defensive front uh, looking stout, swarming the ball, active, uh, really impressive. And you think about this game, David, early in Jared Garantano's in the game for Brian Maurer, who's hurt. And it looks like maybe Tennessee is never going to let him pass the football again. <laughs> like, like when he transfers, like that'll be part of, let it be like a transfer stipulation. Yeah. Like he is not allowed to pass the ball here or anywhere ever again. And then second down and it's obvious running situation and they've done a good job up front, but still Mississippi state got them into one obvious pass situation, they make a big pass to Banks, Garantano, before he gets hit on a blindside blitz. But the second down call by Jim Chaney, 
And, of course, it turns into a touchdown for Tyler Bird. I loved the call because everyone in the stadium knew they were running on that play, including Bob Shoup. And he lets Garantano make a nice, simple pitching catch, and you win the game because of it. Yeah, it was a, a good play. That The end of that first half was wild. Uh, I, I forget how many timeouts they had exactly. I'd have to double-check. We are doing this uh, live. Uh, I'm in the visitor's coaching box. And uh, – so uh, some of the some of the nitty gritty details we'll have to get uh, you know a research heavy episode, uh, but still you got a, basically a minute left. You got some timeouts in your pocket. You're on the 37 and run, 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 kick, go to half. I mean that is wild. Like you have a fourth year junior, regardless of the game plan, regardless of whatever. I mean it's I don't think it's stretched to say that this is sort of speaks to the the, the amount of trust that he has lost uh, in the coaching staff at this point and. Uh, I think, uh, you know, despite Maurer's concussion moving forward, I don't think there's any risk of him uh, losing his job because of that uh, um, uh, injury. couple not great interceptions in the end zone. Uh, one, he just forced. The second one he forced. The first one, he got deceived a little bit. Uh, neither one good picks, but... Yeah, you're right. This looked like a very, a very different team. They can't uh, breathe on Jake Fromm a week ago, and you get uh, uh, seven sacks today, three more tackles for loss, three picks. Uh, I think Mississippi State had a lot to do with a lot of those, um, but this looked like a very different team. I will say that. I, are you sure about that, the, the quarterback thing? I, 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 would, I would guess that they are going to stick with Maurer, too, you know, when he's healthy. But, man, I mean I – mean, do you think? Do you not think that Garantano showed a little something today that at least gives him a chance to compete moving forward? Do you think it's? Just, I just think just he, I just think the it. coaching staff. You know, for a long time, you talked to people around the program. I think that the overwhelming sentiment was the offensive staff has no idea what is happening after he takes the snap. Uh, they just really. They were confused, as confused as the fans were, because this stuff did not happen in practice, and they're just like, "What is happening?" And I think. I mean, you cannot have a, a, a quarterback situation and have to call games like that, even if you're ahead. even if, I mean, it's the second quarter. You have been given a gift, a chance to chase seven points with relatively low risk, and you play for a 40-yard field goal, and you end up kicking a 47-yarder. I mean, that, that is wild. Uh, they, I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that I don't think they, they really have two guys they feel like they can roll with. I think they want but- to go with Maurer. Well, no, I mean, no, there's no question that they demonstrated zero trust or belief in Garantano at that stage of the game. Then he drops, you know, he drops the 41-yard dime and, uh, to Ramel Keaton. That was, a nice Keaton. that was a nice play by Keaton. That was just a 50-50 ball. Keaton adjusts at the end. He gets a little bit of separation, makes a really nice play. I mean, it's a good play. You like to see that. But, I mean, it's not like he has – two yards of separation and Garantano drops it in there. I mean, that's a really nice play by Keaton because they, well, it was a nice were, play, but I, well, where, yeah, but where could you have put that ball? You know what I mean? I mean, that ball was, you just it, give him a it, chance. Basically Keaton's a big body. I mean, it, it's again, it's a nice play, but I, I mean, I, I don't think that, that it's like, you know, Garantano like playing, you know, that's not an NFL throw necessarily. It's just sort of give your big receiver a chance. And, and he made a play on that ball. I, you know, it's, it's a, a complex situation at this point, but I, I could not believe what I was seeing. Nine consecutive runs as soon as uh, Garantano comes in there. And the first pass they threw before that ball down the field is basically a little hitch screen. I'm not sure what they would really call that. Uh, basically an extension of the running game to Jennings and basically daring uh, Mississippi State to tackle him. 
I have not seen that specific approach. I mean, you haven't seen it in the, in the Jeremy Pruitt era anything that conservative, uh, but just absolutely wild to watch that. I just think that when you combine, you know, what Garantano did at winning time with the fact that, yeah, Maurer looked like a freshman on those picks. He also had some, some good moments, and there's a lot of excitement and energy and talent with him. But I, I, I came away thinking, eh, this kid – who knows? You know, th- this could be still an interesting situation. Again, I would guess. If you're, if you're a play caller, you got to trust your guy. And it's obvious yes. that they do not. And you can't, you can't move forward like that. I, I don't even know what it would take for Garantano to earn their trust back at this point. Because it's clear that the first month of the season, he lost it. Do you, think, do you not think that, you know, he got a little, inched a little bit back toward that at the end of this game? Not really. I mean, it's you have an, to have it's an you, RPO on a slant. I, I'm pretty sure it was an RPO. I'd have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure it was an RPO. It's a little slant. It? Bird makes a nice play. I mean, it's just kind of, it's a nice read. It's a nice throw. But like, that was really the only throw that they had to make him. You know, had to throw that 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 you feel like a bunch of other quarterbacks can't make. I mean, you have the check down to Tim Jordan there. He gets loose, makes a guy miss. But I mean, it's a check down, and you, and you also have Garantano still holding the ball pretty long and taking some sacks he probably shouldn't take. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, it's a nice play. It's a great story. It was, fan, it was outstanding television uh, for folks who watched it on TV. It was a, a very entertaining game. But I, I really couldn't believe what I was watching, um, that, that the trust had been broken that much, where they were tucking in. I mean, I mean Jeremy Pruitt said it himself uh, after the game. I'll have to look up here exactly what he said. Uh, it was, we didn't want to make a mistake. That's the way we called the game there. Can we win a bunch of games doing that? Probably not. But that's what we needed to do to win this game. Okay, maybe. But they didn't call that. They didn't call the game anything like that when Brian Maurer was in the ball game at all. Right. And well, they were just playing. There was that was normal Tennessee offense. But again, that call. So I mean, that's that's absolutely clock time. Like you do not mess around with not bleeding clock at that point. Um, I believe mm-hmm. Mississippi State had, had popped a timeout. And whether it's an and you may be right, it was an RPO. But either way, that's a trust call to 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 give him the RPO, you know, option, you know, the run pass option. Um, whether it's a straight play action or RPO, I mean, that was a trust call. Again, I'm not saying that proves. Oh, now it's all it's flipping the other way. I suspect that Brian Maurer, when he's healthy, is the quarterback. But I I don't see how you make that call or give Garantano that possibility if you haven't changed your mind a little bit within the game maybe but i'd say the flip side of that is it's also just one play and he's made so many plays over the first month of the season that was driving the coaches mad um that 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 sort of got them to the point where he's not playing and then when he does play you run the ball nine consecutive times in situations where out of 130 fbs teams if you put them in that precise situation how many of them open it up and try to go score a touchdown 120, 125? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I've never seen anything like that, especially as someone like myself who's covered the Big 12 for the most of the last decade where it's get seven every single time. Every offense feels like we want to score a touchdown every single time we're on the field. I mean, that 30, you know, a minute left, 37 yards between you and the end zone and run, run, run with a fourth-year junior. I mean, that – I again, I, I, it's, I'm sure it's coming through at this point. I have never seen anything like that. Good point on the Big 12, too, because especially <laughs> coming from there. 
Yeah, it was bizarre. There's no doubt. It was. It was like, oh my goodness. Uh, This is overkill. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's. I. I can't think of many times I've seen something like that either. Uh, Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think we agree that Maurer is going to be the guy when he returns. You know, I. Either if that's if that's the last thing from Derek Garantano, it's nice to see someone who's you know taking a lot of blame and has not played well this year get something you know have something good happen to him and make some positive plays yeah it'll be interesting to see what Maurer does in practice this week I mean that wasn't sort of the Jerry Pruitt explicitly called it a concussion after the game Trevon Flowers also broke his leg I asked around I didn't get a sense of which bone it was but usually if it's the fibula people say um you know if it's the tibia or the uh uh femur you know, that's you're done for the year. I, it sounded pretty down. I'm guessing it's one of the major weight-bearing bones. I don't think it's it. Because if it's a fibula, you might see him again this year. That did not sound like that was the case. But I think for me, I think the biggest thing that I took away from this is just, you know, Tennessee, they, they needed a, a release and some payoff so much today. And guys were so happy. I mean, this, this was not a, a program-defining win. I don't think anything major was accomplished today. But they got to leave their home field feeling pretty good and celebrate with the students and, uh, you know, sing Rocky Top and all that stuff. And uh, that hadn't happened a lot lately. And I, I think that that was my biggest take was how badly they needed that because they are, you know, they're working as hard as anybody else. I, I, uh, uh, and they haven't gotten much payoff. And I think they really needed that today. And, I, and I'm curious to see what the result is over the next couple weeks when you get that. And guys are a little more pep in their step coming into, you know, the facility on Wednesday morning when the, the result is kind of worn off. Yeah, Pru- we saw that Jeremy Pruitt needs to work a little bit on his dancing. Uh, with the <laughs> I believe Tennessee I called that uh, first-time surfer dips his toe into the ocean, I believe is that. That's a, <laughs> uh, that's a new uh, – uh, copyrighted move i believe i think he's already got that filed away but yeah anyone who would see that and say you know how the heck are they celebrating like that um for beating you know a pretty bad mississippi state team like you said when you've had a season like this you absolutely celebrate anything positive that happens and any win in the sec uh, for tennessee right now is is absolutely worth celebrating so again it, it <laughs> two and four team but you know, think of how different things would look right now had they had they you know yeah. blown that game, and you know, then we'd be talking about the doomsday scenario that we were <laughs> talking about earlier this year. And now instead, you know, it's it's unfortunately uh, for them, they now get to go to Alabama and play at midnight. But uh, you know, but still, yeah, I, still I bet you this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry I had to bring that up, man. Uh, you really but, ruined this pod. I'm going <laughs> to respond it for the rest of this. I'm just going to get up and leave. Should we cut? Maybe we should just cut that. Should we just cut that? Oh, <laughs> I'm <goodness>. sorry, David. <laughs> what? What? I didn't even know like they have 9 o'clock games. I didn't know that was an well, option. Well, that's the thing. Usually when they have those late kicks, they save them for the central time zone teams. But I don't – I'm not by any means an SEC historian for some of the minutia. But my understanding is it has been quite a while since a team in the Eastern time zone has kicked off at 9 p.m., but we shall see. Uh, I, I think, you know, th- that's the thing is that that, that sort of feeling. I mean, I, I think sometimes fans uh, get a little bit – I mean, fans just see the sport and see the games and see that everything is just totally different from, from inside the facility. Inside the facility, it's a lot of just – they have one goal all week. 
beat Mississippi State. You've been working the entire week for one reason. And I think, you know, players, coaches, they're aware of the bigger picture. They know they're one and four. They know the season hasn't gone well. But still, everyone in the facility is working toward one thing, and that's to beat Mississippi State. You spend six days doing that. Saturday, you're the better team. You play pretty well. You dominate that game on both sides of the line of scrimmage. You do it especially with a pretty dramatic somewhat finish there. I mean, I, I, I think any fan that's, you know, playing the doomsday of what has the program become when the players are, you know, acting like they're going to the Rose Bowl or whatever after being Mississippi State, I just think, like I said, it's been so long since they've had something like that. Uh, and to clinch the game in the way that they did, uh, I think just – you got to give the the players uh, uh, some some leeway on that, and 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 understand that they they really did need that. No doubt. Now, my question for you is: we we have a clear one and two in terms of most impressive wins of Jeremy Pruitt's tenure, and I don't think that gets affected. But is this number three then? I mean, I know this is a team well, that with, with a severe yeah, I guess it has to be yeah severe I mean, severe around, quarterback I mean, problem. But you look at the rest of the wins. I mean, Charlotte, UTEP. Um, FCS women last year and FCS so it's either Mississippi State I mean Mississippi State is not a great team they're better than Charlotte and UTEP I can say that with some some uh, certainty so yeah I think it is a, a clear number three now my question is and I'll answer this after uh, after I pitch it to you what do you say that this win means for this team long term the rest of the season well to me it means that you still have something in front of you um, beyond, of course, like you said, I mean, if you're on the, if you're in the building, you're focused on the task at hand, you know, get 1% better every day and all that stuff, you know, try to beat the opponent in front of you, but let's face it. These are young people who would like to have a, a bigger picture goal. That's still attainable. And it is now still, you know, the, the idea of getting to six wins in a bowl game, it may not be likely mathematically very realistic. Yeah, and I mean, some of the games on the schedule, I mean, like Kentucky and Vanderbilt earlier in the year, yeah. to me, looked like bigger tasks than they do now, for example. So, you know, look, it keeps that in play. Because if you lose this game, it's still mathematically alive, but you know it's done. So, yeah, yeah I think it's – and again, it's a confidence boost. I mean, defensively, you look at – some of the things we saw from that defense today and think about the Georgia state game. And I know it's different matchups and schemes and all that stuff, but there was some good stuff out there from the Vols. And, you know, I think you gotta like that. And I really like the offensive line too. You know, you think about that last possession before they got into the obvious passing down and the big completion from Garantano to Jeremy Banks, you know, they had some really nice Chandler Jordan. and Banks run. Oh, excuse me. Did I say Banks earlier too? Oh I I think so. That's all right. Banks is. All right. Let's let's I don't erase think he had a reception. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he was not on the score sheet. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, yeah, That's all right. Tim Tim Jordan. Yes, and 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 plug that in for the earlier reference if I did have that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's that you know though some of the runs there from Jordan and Chandler and, and the way the offensive line in obvious running situations heavy box. Yeah, that was some good stuff. There was some power football played by the Vols. Yeah, I mean, I'm really conflicted, I think, because, uh, you know, it's a good win. It's a win Tennessee can feel good about. Like I said, the third best win of the Pruitt era. Granted, there have only been, uh, I believe, what, seven now? But still, it's a win you can feel good about. But on the other hand, and I don't mean this to take away from anything Tennessee did, but 
it's a depleted defense that has not played particularly well all season long, and you still – I mean, it's tough to really put the numbers in there because Tennessee was playing not to lose that game and successfully did so. Uh, and you have an offense without an identity that's sort of trading uh, QBs for a lot of the game. The turnovers were nice, but most of those three picks you know, were pretty self-inflicted. I think Tennessee deserves credit for being in position there, but you had bad decisions with moderate pressure. You had some that, – that one, uh, the, the second pick was a – uh, absolutely awful throw, uh, overthrown, and uh, they make that pick. So, again, they're in position. Even Nigel Warrior said on his interception where they have him double-covered on the corner out. He said, I couldn't believe he threw it. Well, that makes two of us, <laughs> that makes two of us Nigel. <laughs> like, so it's like you're in position. They're playing well. They didn't have a lot of busts today. But, like, I, I don't think Mississippi State's very good. No, they're not. <laughs> and so, they're not. you know, is South Carolina better than them today? I think Georgia would say yes. Uh, is is certainly Mizzou is better, or is Kentucky and Vanderbilt better? Uh, you know, we'll find out. It's a long time before they play those games, uh, and you gotta you know survive Alabama. Don't get any any more guys hurt already today. No Riley Locklear, no Jameer Johnson, uh, Trevon Flowers. Sounds like, like I said he's out for a while. We'll see with Maurer. It didn't look like a most serious concussion. I mean, he was you know, celebrating with his team and, and all that stuff. And usually when it's a pretty serious deal, you don't see that guy again. Um, but we'll see kind of what his situation is. So, you know, they, they do deserve credit for the sacks and the pressure today. Even though Mississippi State's line was not fantastic, that's a team effort there. They, they covered really well on the back end. You know, Danny Batuli, you know, he, he sort of grabbed a question and said, you know, I want to answer this. I love you know, our back end, and, and they played super well. And, and a lot of those sacks were coverage sacks, and I'd agree. Seven sacks, Kylan Hill, a really, really good running back, 13 yards rushing. You know, yeah, even Batuli, when they told him, he couldn't believe it. He's kind of laughing and seeing that number. And That's so a heck of a some, player. It is. He is. And they did a really good job today. Um, but I, I think Mississippi State is probably a below-average team that didn't play very well today. So, you know, if this version of Tennessee, or I guess the version of Tennessee we saw in the first quarter that – you know, picks aside, was really dominating the line of scrimmage, completing some balls downfield. That's a pretty close to the peak version of Tennessee that, that looked like they were threatening to run Mississippi State off the field. Mauer gets hurt, throws those picks, things change a little bit, but we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think that this really changed anything. You know, I still think this is probably a four-win team, but mathematically, you know, Bama's a guaranteed loss. Missouri is probably close to that, but then you have four winnable games there and one game that you really can't afford to lose, the UAB game. But, you know, Kentucky, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, uh, can uh, you know, those are those are games that, that ten- – and South Carolina, of course. Those are games that Tennessee can win. And if you play well, you play like you're in that first quarter, Tennessee will win those games. Um, but it's just a matter of, you know, which version of Tennessee do we see? Yeah, and, you know, I guess I'm sunshine guy on this podcast and you're uh, Debbie Downer <laughs> a little bit, but – I am, know, <laughs> I am a realist, not a nihilist. <laughs> well, I, 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 let's let's also talk about something we've talked about all year. Well, especially early in the year, and it is the big picture of Jeremy Pruitt and his locker room and this team and the older guys. Do they does he keep them playing? We know that you know the younger guys. That's the focus. But I think you've got to give some credit there as well. Yeah, I mean I, I, that's true. You're not wrong. But thank you. <laughs> Again, I, I just think it comes down to can Tennessee package these little moments that they have, the first, you know, that, that little 14-minute spurt against Georgia, the first quarter today, minus Maurer's ill-advised picks. P- Pruitt called him sort of greedy today, getting greedy in the red zone, which I think is 
definitely true. He got baited into the first one. The second one, Maurer, that's just too – that's overconfidence. I mean, he, that he's barely open, and he's trying to force it in there. It has to be a perfect throw, or if you're going to miss, you got to miss long. He misses short. You give him a pick. Can't do that. So, if they can – like I said, if they can package that, if you can see that version of Tennessee – a lot more than you see the other games, then, yeah, five or six wins is, is, is a reasonable expectation. I've been around college football a while. I've seen a lot. Teams do not play at their peak performance that often. The great teams do. I think we can both agree Tennessee is not a great team right now. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I think today is a very encouraging sign for Tennessee. They were the better team. They proved it. They left no doubt. They had a pretty serious situation in the second quarter where things change. And they played, they, they altered the game plan and came out with a win. Uh, one of the most conservative game plans I have ever seen after the Brian Maurer injury. <laughs> but, I mean, ultimately it comes down to Pruitt, he saw what his defense was doing. He said, they're, they're going to make the quarterbacks beat him. They're not going to go 80 yards. So let's not turn the ball over and give him a short field. Play a little bit soft. Don't let them uh, beat you over the top on a big play. And they won the game with relative comfort. And so props to them for that. No, that absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, that was the right way to play that game. And you're right; there is not going to be another situation. I wouldn't think where you can feel that good about the other team's quarterback situation uh, mm-hmm. this year. Although well, Vanderbilt's, you know, you can probably feel good about a lot of things when when you get to the Vanderbilt game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it was the, again to me the fact that they were able to take away an outstanding rushing attack and, you know, make that team one-dimensional, you know, warrants some praise. Um, and, look, the, the, the game plan, uh, other than the extremely conservative portion there where we were all wondering what was going on, made sense. Don't make a mistake. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, like I said, we, we, we quoted him earlier in this podcast. You know, he, he I think he knows they can't win every game like that. Uh, I think he would like to. 13-10, you know, to 20-10, to 10, that's like, I think that's Jeremy Pruitt's, like, dream score. I think if he could win every single game, 13-6, to 6, he would. Uh, <laughs> this was, like, absolutely the kind of football that it, that's it's extremely his jam. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think they'll have that luxury next week against Alabama, just a hunch. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, and of course, <laughs> we haven't talked about, you know, Henry Toto will be missing the first half of that game also, which is not you know, ideal. That's, that's probably, I got to say, that's probably for the best. Uh, when you're already thin, fewer snaps against Alabama. I mean, look, they're not going to win that game. So fewer snaps against Alabama, probably a good thing. Uh, when you're just trying to stay healthy for this stretch run and, and get some wins when the wins are a little bit more realistic. Um, and so, you know, Bama's uh, – uh, a different, a different beast, I would say. Uh, for you, as we sort of close uh, the football portion, I have a, we we need to talk about food briefly at the end of this. But uh, okay. what what was what was your uh, what did you find most impressive uh, from Tennessee today? You know, I, I I have to go with I have to go with the defense, like you said. The picks were gifts. I mean, they were just awful throws. I mean, just about every pick in this game was was just mm-hmm. on the quarterback. But the pass rush, the rush defense against an outstanding running back, that, that, that's most impressive. Again, when you think back to early in the year and you're looking at this 
front seven and saying, my goodness, what is going to happen in the league? And this is one of the worst teams in the league, but still this is in the league. And this is a, this is a group that has, that has improved. So I've got to go with that. Yeah, I think you're, that's probably uh, about right. Uh, next week we will see. Um, you know, I, I just think I said, like I said, Tennessee can uh, feel good about themselves after this one. And, and like I said, it's a good win, a good win. Uh, Tennessee was the better team today and proved it, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, because they were the better team against BYU, and they didn't prove it. And they were the better team in general against Georgia State and did the opposite of proving it. They played one of the worst games that we've seen in the Jeremy Pruitt era. So it was pretty obvious to me in the first quarter that, that Tennessee was, was going to be the better team again. Um, and, and when you prove it, listen, there, there's only so many nits you can pick. You know, uh, Tennessee got a win against an SEC opponent. And when you've only done that three times in a year and a half, kind of have to count your blessings uh, on that front you know absolutely absolutely there was a little so, bit of nitpicking but overall a sunshiny yeah. episode yes uh so joe listen uh i i i don't know if you are aware of this i'm a i'm a breakfast guy i would say i have a card the breakfast guy card in my wallet <laughs> uh the fact so my wife absolutely against eating breakfast for any meal besides actual breakfast, which is a consistent uh, uh, point of contention in, in our marriage. But I will say oh, this. Oh, so in other words, you like breakfast for dinner. I'll do breakfast literally any time. Okay. Uh, I'm with not. you. So, so last week I was at a, in an uh, undisclosed project in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Have you ever eaten at Buttermilk Kitchen? I have not. Joe? Okay, Listen. So, in addition to being a breakfast guy, big pancakes guy, just in general, uh, I, my, I am mocked consistently when we go to a breakfast place because I'm going to order probably pancakes and bacon almost, almost always. But on the pantheon of great pancakes on this planet, Bubby's in Tribeca in New York City, Pancake Pantry in uh, Nashville, mm. and listen, Buttermilk Kitchen in Atlanta – Oh my goodness! I'm gonna be thinking about these pancakes for weeks, Joe. You need to the next time you're down there, whenever the Titans go lose to the Falcons or whatever, you have to go. You have to go try <laughs> these things, man. Oh my goodness! Uh, fantastic. It's like in a little farmhouse situation. I don't know what I would call it, uh, but a top a top three pancake in my life. And let me say that Friday was a, a fantastic day for me. Any day that starts with a pancakes of that quality, of that rarity. Uh, that is a memorable meal. Well, that's really interesting, David, because I like pancakes a lot too. And I almost like for me, I, I can't recall like a pancake. I was like, oh my gosh, that pancake was so much better than all like I've I'm had a lot right of, now I've had a, a lot of, is, all I'm hearing <laughs> is a man who has not had a good pancake in his life. That's I, all I may, Maybe, maybe. So what exactly? <laughs> so some people like the really thick, fluffy ones. Some people like them a little crispy. Like what made these pancakes so exceptional? So they're pretty much down the middle. They weren't like, they're not talking about Japanese pancakes where it's like oddly gelatinous or anything like that. It's a pretty standard <laughs> pancake. But I'm just telling you, the, the, you need a little bit of the bite from the buttermilk. Uh, you need a little bit of the, the consistency is key. You can't have it so dense, but you can't also, like, put your fork through it and have the whole thing just sort of crumble. I just I can't even tell you, like, it, it, simple food done well 
Yeah. Like, it's when you really it goes to the next level. And I'm a big fan of, of Cracker Barrel pancakes. I'm not, listen, this is not an elitist podcast. <laughs> I enjoy their pot. The little crunch at the uh, at the edge of the of the Cracker Barrel pancake is delicious. But I mean, I, look, I'm I've gonna... had okay experiences at IHOP. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Just to, I, I, listen, if you were ever in the Atlanta area, the Buttermilk Kitchen, they had these gigantic biscuits, chicken biscuits with, like, pimento cheese, and they had pepper jelly. I did not indulge, sadly. Uh, I'm only one but one man. But, uh, man, I, I'm still thinking. Every now and then I'll have a meal where I, I just, I'm thinking about it for weeks. And the first time I had bacon burn ends at Heim Barbecue in Fort Worth is one of those times. Oh, boy. Buttermilk Kitchen is one of those times. And uh, I think this is, you know, this is, this is on that short list, you know. of uh, I think the one time I, I had some... Uh, uh, shabu Shabu or Hot Pot uh, out in San Francisco when I was doing the uh, Henry To'o story. That was another one of those memorable meals. But man, we're, we're only, uh, uh, it's 48 hours, what was it? So it's a Saturday, so I'm 36 hours away from those pancakes and they're still fresh on my mind. Man, that's, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I'm, I've got to try it. And it's funny, you mentioned Pancake Pantry, and I actually was supposed to go there one time with. Belmont coach Rick Bird, who I actually ate at Arnold's <laughs> with this last week. Yeah, that was a good story. But, yeah, thanks, and, and good food. But the line was too big. I've never been able to get into Pancake Pantry. But now that you have given that endorsement, I'm going to redouble my efforts. I, I you was need sort to of go. Like, eh. Listen, so, what we, so I'm fortunate. So my wife went to college in Nashville, and she has a friend who is very benevolent. And a couple times, I think I've been there three or four times now, First of all, if you go on a weekday, it's pretty pretty normal. But if we go on like a Saturday, she is the friend that volunteers to go stand in line uh, like an hour before <laughs> everybody else gets there. Oh, that's that's fantastic! And it is it is clutch because we've gone a couple times like peak like nine a.m. Saturday or ten a.m. Saturday, and it's it's brutal, but it is worth the wait. Uh, I, I hope she eats free. Nashville. Yeah, she should. I don't think so. That's you're right though. I think we have we have failed as friends. <laughs> I think the. Uh, the uh, I I am ashamed that you are a Nashville uh, resident and have never been to Pancake Pantry. That is it, uh, it is shameful. There are many other places <laughs> too, but it, it is shameful. I, I admit it. It's an it's an elite pancake place. Well, that will do it. Tennessee's offensive line dished out a few pancakes as well. You like that? That's a segue. Oh, that's right a segue. There. Look at that. That's a segue. Anyway, no, the uh, so that will do it for this week's episode of PFL. I am your host, David Ubbin. If you like the show, review us, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast purveyor, and uh, you will uh, help us out. And uh, we'll be back. Well, I'll be back later this week for another episode, but this has been the weekly free episode of PFL. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you all again next week uh, basking in the glow of uh, Alabama versus Tennessee. Mm-hmm.